If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 98. You get, you got to start somewhere, um, whether it's anybody that's running a business or first time starting an event or learning a new skill or something. You got to start somewhere. And so, um, yeah, I think just not being too hard on yourself. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to The Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today, we have another amazing interview with a great friend of mine and just a phenomenal paddler, uh, Alec Voorhees. We talk all about being an athlete competitor as well as being the host of the phenomenal event that just occurred, the North Fork Championships here on the North Fork of the Payette River in Idaho, where I currently am. That was a, an amazing event in the last event I did, but um, we really dive deep into kind of what goes into putting on an event of this scale, but really how they were able to pull it off during this COVID year, how Alec was able to be a big part of that along with his uh, younger brother Hayden Voorhees and his mom Jody, um, but really how they kind of did this all and how Alec was able to compete at the same time. Uh, really cool story, both of his paddling history, but also just this whole event organization and and kind of how it helped him uh, end up pulling off a second place finish at the event as well. So phenomenal um, performance by him. We learn all about the event and yeah, he's just got some really cool nuggets of gold and amazing advice for young athletes as well as just people that are trying to follow their dream, uh, chase that desire and keep at it. Uh, Some really, really great advice in here. So I think you guys are going to uh, really enjoy this and very excited to share it with you. So let's wait no longer. Here is Alec Voorhees. Okay, well, first off, Alec, uh, thank you for joining me and welcome to the Art of Awesome podcast. This is actually our first one in person. Yeah, happy to be the guinea pig. (laughs) Yeah. So, Alec, you're a professional athlete. Um, 
many years being a, a top racer in the kayak scene. And as of recent, you're also the host and one of the organizers of the North Fork Championships, which I kind of want to talk into a whole bunch in a second. Um, but before we dive into all of that, I kind of just wanted to hear a little bit about your story, kind of how you got into kayaking, and then also um, kind of how you got into um, taking over the North Fork Championships and kind of like how that came about. Yeah, so... Yeah, I guess just to start off, um, both my parents are paddlers. They, uh, yeah, they both, uh, went to college together at Idaho state university and my dad was teaching in the kayak program. And when they started dating, he convinced my mom to take the class. And then once they got married on kind of their honeymoon, they did like an Idaho tour. And one of those was kind of along the Paya, and, uh, there were a bunch of paddlers going down. One of them was Rob Lesser, which a lot of whitewater powers now he's a legend and my dad just followed along and he's like okay we have to move here because of the north fork um so that's kind of why they ended up in boise and then um with myself and then my two younger brothers hayden and connor we uh they just were like a lot of times people when they have kids and their paddlers some some make it work but then a good majority kind of fade away and don't get to enjoy the river quite as much. And, yep. but they definitely did not let that happen. So they would, there's the banks parking lot there and they'd bring up a crib and my dad would go do a North fork lap. My mom would either go do a lower five or a South fork, whatever. Um, and kind of take turns watching. And then once I, once we were all like two years old, then we were going down and either an inflatable kayak or once we got a, a duo, uh, two person kayak, they would take us down the main in that. Um, and then once we kind of progressed, um, they would go like dad on North Fork, mom on South Fork, me on lower main. And then once I got to the main, then Hayden was ready to paddle. So it'd be like North Fork, South Fork, main, lower main. Um, so every weekend was just hitting every single section on the, on the payouts. And then, um, for me, for I, it's like the perfect progression on the payout to begin paddling and progress really fast. And, um, yeah, just didn't ever really push it too hard. It was always fun, but was able just to push myself pretty easily. And so first got on the North Fork when I was 10 years old on the lower five and then a top to bottom wow. when I was 11. Um, and it's, yeah, full on class five for 18 miles. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a record that's kind of still standing for sure. Um, and then the North Fork just provided the perfect training ground um, to be able to end up traveling and competing and racing and um was big into freestyle when i was in like teenager like middle school high school did a lot of freestyle but then also found the north fork and was a good river runner um and so that def that freestyle background definitely has helped um which i think most people should be should start off with kind of a freestyle focused background if you're kind of, that's my opinion i think it helps a lot yeah um and then yeah with you guys with Nick and Emily and EJ and Christine, Dane, the whole Jackson family guys kind of took not only me, but Hayden as well under your wing and were able to do some fun trips along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had some built in babysitters too, which helped out along the time, yep. a lot of time as well. So, yep. so got my babysitting hours in when I was younger. Um, but yeah, so just being, being able to have good mentors and be able to travel and compete and, um, a lot of people either will just kind of stay locked into 
traditional school or some are lucky to go to like world class or back then it was huge um and kind of do some different avenues and for me i ended up doing um online school so i could travel around and did about half in high school half online just because that's what i wanted to do and train and compete and stuff um and so yeah just kind of hit the ground running with it and decided it was what i wanted to do and just made it work um so so i love that story and and i what's amazing is like i don't know i uh, my story in kayaking was kind of similar in a lot of ways maybe different in a lot of ways too one i didn't grow up in the north fork two i didn't necessarily grow up with both my parents being super into kayaking but i got into it at a young age and and also had some mentors kind of like take me under under their wing and stuff like that and and travel around and kind of do kayak or do uh do high school you know I, I would just get ahead of high school and then and then kind of go into it but i want to also hear about how this whole north fork so the north fork you know race happens what was it nine years ago is that when it started yep yeah so uh james and regan bird kind of like started kicked it off this awesome super cool badass event and what was your first thought as like kind of like a, the local boy when you saw this just like amazing event kind of come out of the woodworks in your essentially your backyard yeah so i mean the first year with the north fork championship it was i mean it was kind of a totally unique style of format for kayaking um kind of bringing an invite only ish kind of style with also kind of a qualifier kind of an open field um on not only like not only bringing kind of an invite format but then also the hardest rapid on one of the most notorious rivers in the united states and putting hard slalom gates um at first um i mean i so for the first nfc i was 15 years old yeah um and raced the qualifier and stuff um but i remember locally and just kind of being around and stuff that the first kind of reaction to it was like this is not a good idea like (laughs) should not be doing that many people on jakes and making hard gates like it's just such a notorious rapid and yeah um so that was kind of the local um kind of first guy yeah the first kind of gut reaction but then it was like yeah there was a it was kind of an interesting mix of like the first one was like really well-known paddlers um kind of some local local guys that were always doing it so it was um and then now with what they kind of built now it's definitely like people from all over the world like the 20 people that get kind of invited from either doing well the year before making top 10 or the 10 that get invited, like the field's stacked. It's, yeah. There's not a bad kayaker and it's from everywhere. There's a handful of locals and then tons of international racers. So what they did is crazy, just exploding it. And I mean, they had a vision and, um, but it's definitely kind of, yeah, grown into something way bigger than just a kayak race. Yeah, it's morphed into this like I don't know behemoth of a of this whitewater event. And so, how did you guys talk a little bit of how you and your family kind of took over it? In uh, I guess it was 2020, although that didn't end up happening. And we could talk into kind of like how COVID played into this whole thing. But but first, kind of like tell about like how did you guys take over the event in the first place? Yeah. So so 2019 um, was like they got designated as the world championships was, which was super cool. Um, I think for a lot of people in the kayak community, um, it was kind of like 
the, the top dog of events is the North Fork. Yeah, the legit so, world championships for yeah, extreme racing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's quite a few that have their own kind of championships title, but um, yeah, North Fork is definitely unique um, in quite a few quite a few ways. But so after 2019, um, yeah, after the event, um, even just a little bit before, there had been some rumors um, that it was going to be the last one and that they were kind of ready to move on and um they'd kind of taken a lot of their early years their their whole 20s essentially to just dedicating their life to this event and also while also being nurses and at the same time um so they just kind of wanted to move on and so um i know for for me just the whole week of the event i was it was really bit i guess you could say bittersweet at this but a lot a lot of it was pretty sad and Mm -hmm really had a lot of pressure that I wanted to do really well if this was going to be the last one. Cause it's for me and just growing up here, this is my favorite event and, um, it just means it has just always meant so much. And myself being the only athlete that's competed in every single North Fork, um, it was something that I always took a lot of pride in and yeah. was just always that date was circled on the calendar and kind of um, like in one way or another, every time I went out kayaking, almost, it was like, even if it was just for fun, there's always a bit of it that's like, all right, let's do a little bit of, let's keep North Fork in mind. Um, yeah. Just kind of how I approached it. And so when it was, yeah, so when it was going to be the last one, um, right after the event, like right after awards even, um, my mom and I kind of went up and told James, like, we know this isn't the right time, but we don't want this to die, so keep us in mind. And at first James was like, we appreciate it, but no thanks. Um, and so, yeah, then it was just kind of that. And then, so that was in June. And then in October, 2019, they reached back out to us and like, Hey, would you guys still be willing to talk? And so that's when talks ended up starting. And then, um, it wasn't until like February, 2020 that we got all the kind of legal back end contract stuff kind of signed, um, in our agreement and stuff. And, hit the ground running for one month and then COVID happened. And then as soon as that kind of, everybody kind of has their moment in time that they remember everything kind of collapsing. And from that, I was like, all right, step back. And I didn't touch anything for two weeks after just going hard on it. Um, and then we ended up having to cancel and yeah. Um, yeah. So 2020. And then at that point you're like, okay, that might be a blessing in disguise. We have a whole year plus to prepare. Um, which didn't end up being the case <laughs> just with all the uncertainty and stuff. So, yeah. Cause you guys, you guys essentially this spring, I know talking with you, it was kind of like, we're, we're trying to do it, but we're still not sure how it's going to work, how many people we can do. What, what's the like, yeah. Mask protocol, like the state, whatever, like everybody, you know, CDC, whatever everybody kind of has in place. Um, so when was it like official for you guys that you really felt like, okay, this is like legit actually going to happen this year? Yeah. So, so I guess to kind of start off, we, we started reaching out to sponsors right after new year, um, which is late for that kind of thing, which the year before it was February. So right. we were already getting a little bit of a head start. Um, typically budgets for companies and stuff or the previous fall. Or yeah. Really, the previous yeah, fall. Yeah. Um, so we're like, okay, we got to get, we got to start. And so did that and started having talks and stuff. But I mean, we were like planning, but then, yeah, like you said, we 
didn't really know what we were going to be able to do with everything. And so, but it wasn't until probably just a touch over two months before the event that was just like, all right, we got to put our heads down and start doing if it's going to be spe- no spectators or, or what. So, um, yeah, it was essentially two months. And then I think the mask mandate in Idaho went away like three and a half, four weeks before the event. So, wow. um, I mean, that was kind of our, yeah, two months was getting everything locked down and, um, yeah. And then the three weeks before is when we were like, okay, now we actually know that's when we got like, so there's the, we have a Thursday night, like film fest that before it was the whitewater awards, James kind of, and Regan kind of took that and kept that going on their own. And so we're like, we put in NFC film fest. And so that whole thing, we didn't get the, we had talked about the venue with pay at, the new venue with pay at brewing for a while, but it was just like, until we get the final go ahead, let's just, we'll be planning on it. But it was just still not officially locked down until three yeah. weeks before. And then Hayden and I hand selected all the films and, got that whole thing planned in three. So like, it was just, yeah, they're just crunch time with every wow. single aspect. Wow. It also, it, it speaks a lot to the sponsors too, because I'm sure even going in January or whenever, and even having like whatever it is, a couple months to, to try to find your sponsors and partners for the event and stuff. I'm sure that wasn't easy in with all the uncertainty still going on of like, will events actually happen? Will this be in person? Do we, as a brand, want to like, participate or like be affiliated with this yeah do we, we want to associate ourselves with exactly yeah event? that's yeah so that i mean that was the that was one of the hard things with just even reaching out in the first place is like what's going to be the reaction like right um got to do something if it's going to happen it's you got to start somewhere wow. um but yeah that was definitely a kind of a weird part of it and just so many weird dynamics with all of it just even reaching out to people with like volunteers and staff and media like that kind of in between that new year's and that two month mark, it was like hard to reach out. Cause it was just like, no, so many people have so many other things. And, um, some people had a harder time than others over the last year. Right. Um, so I know for me personally, even though it wasn't like an actual thing that would take place, just, it was like this, um, I was just like, well, I don't want to reach out and have somebody commit and then not be able to do the event in general. Right. Um, right. and take away another gig that they might have. Like, So even just like little things like that, that everybody that's coming, there's so many people that want the event to continue and to succeed and stuff. But, um, there was definitely that, that just weird dynamics like that, that wouldn't normally happen that you can feel more willing to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine putting on an event of that size. Like obviously we, we just finished the event. What was it like three weeks ago, a couple, couple of weeks ago now, uh, a month from the main event tomorrow. Oh wow. So four weeks already. Where does time go? Anyway. So, so a month ago now and you guys had essentially two to three months to really actually crunch time plan this like large scale event. One of the largest scale kayak events that there is. Um, how was that? pulling all that together kind of like somewhat last minute, but also still trying to train for it. Cause you, like you're a competitor, you're a racer. I mean, this is, this has been your dream now for nine years to like, you know, compete and, and, and win this thing. Um, how, how were you kind of able to do that? Like wh- where was the athlete slash organizer? How did you play both roles there? Or wear both hats? Yeah, it was, it was interesting this year because, um, yeah, so Hayden, my 
my brother Hayden and then Dane and I, we went to Hawaii in March, did a paddling trip there. And then as soon as I got back, um, I just got a new mountain bike. So I was all stoked on that. And on like my fifth day riding it, like April 5th. Um, and so the event is June 17th through the 19th is where the dates for this year. So like two and a half months before, um, I was riding and just slid out on a flat corner. It's like a green trail. Just it's essentially flat. And I just slid out and ended up tearing a ligament in my thumb. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was eight weeks before the event or something like that. Um, from when I actually ended up getting surgery, um, at like April 21st, I want to say. Um, so as far as the athlete side, there was really not a whole lot going on for me, like in, in terms of training, um, in a sense, it could have been a blessing. I kind of took it as like, maybe this, as like, it gives me an opportunity to put 100% of my energy into planning. Um, and then like, it's not just me organizing. It was my mom, Jody and, and Hayden, my brother. Um, it was the three of us putting all the behind the scenes work in. Um, and then James and Regan this year, they also did a handoff year. So we were on the phone with them probably like at least five hours a week, just going over things. Um, just getting all of our ducks in a row and learning the ropes a little bit. Yeah. And, and then they were throughout the whole, they got there the week before the event and we're working just as hard as anybody. Um, so without them, it wouldn't have been possible. And, um, so it was really cool being able to work alongside them like that because ever since, because I first met James at the first NFC, I showed up as just kind of a late registration because I wasn't really sure, like 15 year old. So I showed up with my mom and got registered and stuff. That's and then awesome. she was, probably had to sign your waiver. Oh yeah, she did. <laughs> um, and it was actually funny, like this is kind of a little off topic, but um, like a week after the first NFC, I mean, James was... I think you, I want to say he's like 24, 25 and Regan was a few years younger than that. And they were just doing a trip over to white salmon to go paddle a little white and just go hang out for a long weekend. And they invited me to go paddle with James invited me to go paddle with him. I was like, that's awesome. Sure. And so that was my first little white lap was going over there with James and Regan. That's cool. Like they were pretty young too. So we've had a really good relationship since then. And I've just with, I've looked up to them a lot um, over the years. So it was cool being able to, work alongside them and stuff. But, um, yeah, back to the athlete side of things. So I was just like head down. We were all, I mean, I was probably, yeah, I was most of the days in that two months were probably like, I would wake up around like seven and then probably go to bed around midnight, just nonstop. And my mom and I are, when we're, it's a lot of just phone calls and emails and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff with organizing. And my mom and I are definitely just pacers when we walk. And so we have our watches and we're, getting a ridiculous amount of miles in just talking on the phone (laughs) Um, just kind of nonstop throughout the day. But um, yeah. So, and then once the event kind of rolled around, it was just, yeah, just so much going on. And um, for me, so in terms of like racing, um, I was kind of wondering leading up to it because before I would always just put so much focus and obsession into practice laps and the events and just stress out about it so much. And so this year I knew that I was going to not be as focused on actual racing and just like right making sure that there's trash cans, like when I show up to the festival and that everything's just random stuff. That's like, that you got the right number of porta potties. Yeah. There's yeah. so many things going on at other places that you're like, I hope that it's, and we're, we're all splitting up doing our own things, but it's like, 
you can't control everything at once. So you're just like, hopefully it's all going. But so that was, and so just like, I mean, in between the Thursday night after the pay at, and then like Friday morning, I think my mom and I went to bed like three thirty, and then woke up at five thirty. That's crazy. Um, and so just like, yeah, just full pedal to the metal all weekend, just nonstop 20 plus hour days wow. throughout the event. And so I, Hayden, I think, yeah, Hayden and I were, we were the same amount of practice. I did two practice slaps on the qualifier S turn, ended up taking second in the qualifier and then did boat across. And then for actual Jake's, I did six, like kind of half and then only one full. Um, so I mean, a ten, a one tenth of what I would normally practice right throughout the week. Um, so I think for the actual race itself, I just relied on running the rapid thousand, like hundreds, maybe a thousand times. Yeah. Um, just living here and running it so much. So just kind of relied on my instincts a little bit more. And, um, and so in, in the actual race, you crushed it on your, your first lap, which was awesome to see from up top. Uh, I think everybody was like really stoked for you, including Dane. Um, you had one touch. Would you have, I'm trying to remember now you, you ended up taking second to Dane, but it was really tight. Would you have ended up winning without that touch or was it still like, just would you have stayed in second? Uh, I was still second. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I wasn't sure. I asked Hayden the other day and he was like, I'm not sure if if Alec would have won or not. Um, so either way you take second, which is like incredible. Um, do you think that this, also your, your best result from my understanding of, of all nine years, um, how much of that do you think was like, because maybe you were less stressed about practice and, and just like had like, I, I just trying to think of like whether or not organizing the event helped kind of relieve some of the stress of competing or whether it, it like added to the stress because you're putting the whole thing on. Yeah. I, I think definitely for me, it was, it kind of took, I didn't have as much pressure on myself racing. Okay. Gotcha. I didn't, I didn't have as, I have ex- of course I still wanted to win and knew that I was still capable of winning Yeah, or podium or whatever, putting down a good result. I'd know the rapid better than anybody else. Um, but I think it just took that. I didn't have that expectation of myself to, to do that. And so, um, yeah, I think just all the other stuff going on. Um, and I mean, my thumb was still like, I shouldn't, I had, I had a special, I'd kind of, according to my surgeon, it was a newer technique and with the actual surgery to get me back to even be able to race. So wow. like I was, I had a brace on when I was paddling and had only been paddling for two weeks That's um, crazy. before that. So, and I mean the week before I didn't really get to paddle, did six laps. So I didn't really paddle a whole lot beforehand. And so I just didn't, I just didn't have those expectations, um, to do my best. I mean, to, to do, get the result that I've been wanting. Right. Um, to win. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um so just going out there just doing my best knowing that no matter what the event is happening yeah. and it's a success on its own and if I get top 10 or whatever. Yeah. Um that's awesome. So, yeah. So obviously, you know, you get second, Dan ended up winning. Uh it was an incredible event. I think everybody like I, I don't know if it was the biggest event 
I think it was the biggest North Fork championships ever. Like there was, it seemed like there was like a ton of people there, a ton of uh, racers and doing the Stoke float after with you guys. Like, I mean, I've never seen a line of people paddling down the North Fork like that. It seemed like, I mean, I've seen a ton of people on like the Golly Fest and like other rivers before in festivals. And I've, I've never seen that. Like it was like as far as the eye could see in one direction and in the other direction, it was just people like in a line on, on continuous class five. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was pretty wild experience. So I, I think everybody who was a part of it would say that it was like a total success. Um, so we, we've wrapped up the whole thing's over now. Like what's, what's next? What's, uh, do you guys have any, you know, plans going into the future? Are you going to do anything different? Is it more just like, uh, like a, a big sigh of relief and then you're like maybe like are you gonna do it start uh planning next year's a little bit earlier than, than the three months prior or kind of like what's what's going on for the future for you guys yeah so i'm yeah it's just um yeah we definitely kind of right after the event we end up putting everything away all the all the stuff and just like took a step back and um yeah just kind of still i mean there's still things that we're doing kind of continuing to push out social media um, the highlight reel will be coming out here in, in a couple, couple weeks. So excited to see that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's just going to keep, yeah, we're just going to have to, like you said, it seemed, it's hard to remember from 2019 cause it was two years ago, but it definitely wasn't smaller. It was either the same or, um, more people who knows it, it, it didn't lose any m- momentum. That's yeah. for sure. That's awesome. Um, and I mean, all the feedback that we got leading up to it was just that everyone is so stoked. And, um, I mean, yeah, it was the first, I mean, it was one of the first events to be able to happen again in kayaking. And so, and timing aligned perfectly for us, mm-hmm. um, in the, with, with the coat, like yeah, with, with opening with up in Idaho. Yeah. So in that sense, that was a huge relief being able to do it right and do it the way it's been. And, um, and then, I mean, it, like pulling it off in that amount of time was, one thing and then um i mean john grace with um green race and hammer factor they came out and we did the first broadcast of the event um people can still go on and watch that on hammer factor and if you buy it five dollars goes towards idaho rivers united that's awesome um so we kind of implemented a little fundraiser for them so that's been cool to see that kind of stack up and yeah so anybody out there who's listening who hasn't either watched it the first time uh, and you're interested, definitely go check that out because it was an incredible race and those guys did a phenomenal job with with the whole broadcast and live stream and everything too. So yeah, kind of talk about that because that was like something that's, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's never been done because obviously John Grace did this for, for Green Race last year, 2020, but it's it's definitely never been done for the North Fork. And one of the cool things was is you guys did it in an area that there is no service, no cell service, no nothing. Like, how were you guys able to pull that off? Like that, that's almost like a miracle on its own, pulling off a live stream in an area with no, no service or internet or anything. Yeah. So I, yeah, totally. It was, I mean, it was, a, it was a few months in the making for sure. And we didn't get fully dialed until two and a half weeks before. Wow. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, running the whole thing, just keeping it as is, is one thing. And then we, um, we're also really proud that we implemented a, something else to expand it and yeah. to more audiences. Um, so we were really proud of that, but I mean, I was, um, I was climbing to the top of both sides of the ridges of kind of the, the Canyon or whatever the corridor that it's in. And 
trying to get service up there with some boosters and to run like wire to the top and get service that way. And then it didn't end up working. Um, but we, what we ended up doing is, um, like Elon Musk and Tesla, their SpaceX, they have their Starlink satellite internet. Mm-hmm. And so that was still on beta and we ordered it and the delivery time was fluctuating every, like sometimes twice a day. Like, wow, is it going to be July 9th or is it going to be like June 15th? And then we ended up getting it, um, right at the beginning of June. And so that's what we, we ended up using to, to stream it. And, um, yeah, like the way it worked is you programmed, you programmed the satellite for whatever plus code is what they had it as. And so essentially the latitude longitude for the Jacobs ladder pullout is where the internet service, work, was, yeah. service works. So wow. it has like a 15 mile radius that it works. That's crazy. Um, and so we, yeah, fully had crazy fast internet at a spot that there's like, there's literally zero, zero service through yeah. there for like, I don't know, it's like a 20 mile section that there's just, it's a blackout zone. Yeah. Even if you go to the top of the ridge, apparently there's nothing. Wow. Um, so we did that and we kind of did a last minute decision to, because for us, it just felt like we had the ability to do it live, but then it's like, we're not doing live, award, live results or the results were a couple hours after yeah, the, the race the, finishes. The results are that evening. Yeah. Five, six hours later. Yeah. So we're like, we just decided, and this was actually kind of our, before we, the Starlink was getting delivered, this was our backup plan. And then we just ended up, it's actually worked out as a better show. Mm-hmm. Um, so we delayed it for a few hours, broadcasted it. And then as soon as the race was over, it went straight to the park where the results are. And so it just kind of makes, it kind of gives a little, so you don't have to tune back in later. You're not left hanging. You're yeah. like, well, I just watched and didn't know. So um, that's it's something, a- that's something that, We'll see. We'll kind of, I think next year we'll probably just do it live and do the break and get the feedback from that. And then mm-hmm. who knows, we might have to change it and might yeah. do some kind of leaderboard at live site. And so there's things that could change with it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's here to stay. And um, yeah, we're excited to actually have time to, um, I mean, essentially it's kind of a, it's kind of an eight month process to plan it, but in also in another sense, it's, it's a full year because you have to keep promoting and, pushing content out and we have a lot of great content from the people that we hired and all of our awesome media and photo media team that did a great job. So, um, we're pretty set for the year and so we'll just, yeah, keep Hayden. I will keep kind of pushing that out. Do it's nice that we're able to do the social media on our own. It just takes out one less cost. So, um, but yeah, next year, NFC 10, we've got, we've got some cool, we've, we'll come up with some fun ideas. We have a few, um, yeah, it's gonna be NFC. It's gonna. I was talking with Hayden. Actually, we did a really cool night shoot the other night, and uh, we were looking at some different lines for the for the race course. Possibly, I don't even know if Hayden's talked to you about them or not. But there was a couple lines in there, maybe some new gates that uh, Hayden was like, "Oh, what do you think about this or that or the other thing?" So maybe there'll be some some line changes or whatever. I mean, they always kind of do that every year anyway. But uh, there was some stuff that I had never even thought of before. So yeah, so yeah, the course will be cool. We'll put in some yeah there'll be kind of some just cool yeah i don't know things that just kind of show up like i don't don't know it was really fun to the whole goal with the event was to not to make it seem like there wasn't a transition right you know but then at the same time it's like we had to put our own kind of creative spin and new ideas on things and um the cool like the cool thing to me with nfc is that it's like yeah it's a kayaking race but it's almost like a brand now. right it is a brand now yeah like james made it like 
NFC's cool. It's yeah. has its own like you can if you're anywhere in the whitewater world or even outdoor industry, like you can kind of point out NFC kind of just yeah, it has its own brand and kind of culture of just yeah. inviting and good times and showcasing the best paddlers. No, it's cool for um, sure. So Do- like yeah, doing like the topo on the bibs of the payette, like that was one that was one of my things that I thought of from when we first took it over, just like yeah. getting some ideas from other companies. And so just, I don't know, just cool things like that. So we'll, there'll be some yeah cool things in the future. Awesome. Do you think one of the things that I've always thought, just cause I thought the production value of your live stream was so good. You think that's something we kind of like talked about it a little bit briefly, but that you could like package and go to actual networks and get, I don't know. I just always think it'd be super cool to see like NFC or just any kayaking event really, but NFC in particular, cause it's such a, a great highlight of kayaking. It's like this extreme total badass event um, to get that into like kind of more mainstream TV and stuff could be kind of cool. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, we'll, we're just kind of, yeah, there's definitely horizons that we're kind of looking at and um, yeah, we'll see, see what ends up happening with it. But I mean, I mean, the goal is to keep it sustainable, take it step by step um it's already such a beast there's so much stuff going on just with like the the highway it's i mean mm-hmm. the highway that's right next to for people that aren't familiar with let's like the north fork is roadside but it is the gnarliest highway in idaho and maybe even the country it's it's scary like just even driving on a weekend like um so there's just so much stuff with that that um yeah there's like definitely yeah it's definitely got to stay sustainable um, but then also grow it. So, mm-hmm. um, do you guys max out the, the competitors right now? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, we, this year we, we had enough for like 160. I think we're just going to cap it at 150 for the qualifier yeah. in the future. If you, if you want to race, you'll register in time. Yes. Yeah, so, so anybody out there that wants to register, when, when does registration open? Uh, it'll open right after new year probably. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so, so get in there early or yeah. else uh, you, you definitely want to be in that top 150 for sure. Yeah. So it'll, yeah, it'll be cool. And I mean, in the future for, I mean, for next year, one thing that we're, we've been talking with um, people and it's not official yet, but it's, it's probably going to happen is we're going to expand the women's field a little bit, add some more spots right there and actually give, cause this was the second year that there was a women's division right. specifically. With um, equal pay, by the way. Yeah, equal pay. And yeah. I mean, it's, I think, I think NFC doubles the prize money of any other kayak race. I think so. I was seeing that like at the awards. I was like, man, there is a big purse for NFC for sure. So. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, it's 17 grand in prize money between the men's and women's. Yeah. 5,000 for first and 2,500, 1,000. So, I mean, just that it's, I mean, if you want to attract people, you've, put out some cash yeah um which that's one thing james was always very adamant about and yeah i mean that's what you want to do you want to we have the sponsors that s- support us and mm-hmm. are able to do that and so um but yeah with the women's division we'll um yeah be able to we're gonna add more like automatically qualified spots some invite spots so because one of the hard things with the race is with the qualifier and just because so just for people's general info it's um, the format is top 10 from the previous year, 10 get invited and then 10 are qualified for the men. Um, so two thirds of the field is only practicing on Jake's where the other, all the other people that are training that want to race in, they're spending all their time on S turn. So it's hard to 
get right. that time in. And so for the women, because with last year's 2019's World Championships, it was like everybody had to qualify. There was no automatic spots. And it was really hard to train. And so we went back. So this year, going back to the normal format with kind of invites and um, pre-qualified and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the because this year we did the women's winner would be invited back but she wasn't able to make it so it didn't really change for the women but now it will be they get to spend their time practicing on what they need to practice so right um because that's that's the thing with the that's the thing with the uh races like the more practice laps you get the or more familiar you are with the course the better you're going to do so it's hard to practice on a race course that really doesn't do a whole lot to like actually show who's going to do well it's just logistically with pullouts and whatever that's why the race is there but yeah so. do, you, do you think the format of that will ever change between like how the invites work or the top 10 or anything like that or will that stay stay the same for for the near future yeah it'll it'll always be pre-qualified and invites and i mean a lot of people have a there's quite a few people that have a problem with it and this um it's gotten better at i mean when you you're when you're voting on people, you're obviously voting for, you want the best people, but then also, uh, kind of vote for your friends and whatever. But I mean, usually the top 10, you can't really argue with anybody like with any all-star game or whatever, in any other sport, there's always snubs, Yeah, you know? Um, and if you really want it that bad, you're going to put in the work and, yeah. and make sure that you get yourself in there. But a lot, I mean, there has been people that have over the course of the event that have kind of criticized that, um, it's elitist and that it's not inclusive enough, but it's like, there's tons of other races. It's like, this is an, it's a unique race. It's the goal is not to have as many people racing Jake's as possible. Right. Um, you're getting the best of the best on a really hard rapid, putting the hardest moves that you can do. It's like, you don't want, there's, there's plenty of people that are capable now. And that's one thing. That's actually one thing that we talked about with the women's division, just kind of with all of us is at the first NFC, there's, a significantly uh, just with the progression of kayaking in general there's so many more really 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 good kayakers and like, good women and good women yeah, and yeah, so yeah. and so now that there's a women's division it's going to grow and there's the the level of competition i mean you look at any other women's sports with i mean or just athletes records are getting broken in yeah. any any sport year after the, year yeah younger younger athletes are getting better and so um i mean year 10 of nfc it's a whole new group of people Mm -hmm. um of kind of up-and-comers and contenders and so it's cool to see that and and be kind of the um the transition period being a younger still a younger racer and um yeah just kind of yeah so there's there's a lot of cool things with nfc and just kind of the transition that um Awesome. Yeah, it's cool to see. Well, I'm I'm definitely super excited for NFC 10. Uh, there's going to be some really cool stuff going on. I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm, I'm just blown away, and I can't wait for next year. Um, we're going to kind of move on, Alec. This has been awesome talking to you and just, yeah, learning all about it and, and hearing your story. But uh, we're going to kind of move on to the, the second section of the show that I call the fire round, and I'm just going to fire a couple quick questions off at you that I, that I ask all of our guests. Um, Alec, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? Um, my favorite quote, um, and it was especially impactful when I was younger, um, that I was kind of lean towards is work until your idols become your rivals. 
I like that. Um, so that was always one being a young gun teenager, just looking up to all these guys. Um, that yeah, you, you yeah you want to work towards and um, get to get to their level. And so then once you get there, then then it applies because you know there's other young people that might be looking up to you. And so I know, I mean, I just always try to be a good role model regardless of what I'm doing. Um, so I don't know, just kind of keeping that in the back of your mind that there's young kids that are on the, on the up and up and coming. Yeah. That want to do well and probably have the same goals that you want to. So that's an amazing quote. And, uh, I definitely want to give you a shout out that if you haven't already recognized this, I can't imagine too many of your idols that wouldn't consider, uh, you a rival already. So, so I think you've achieved that, which is amazing. Um, what might be a lesson that you've learned recently, whether it be through a mistake or success? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think through this organizing process, um, we knew that we were going to, that there were going to be blind spots or mistakes throughout the event and stuff for athlete spectators, sponsors, everybody attending, it went off great. There weren't really any huge hiccups that people could notice. Um, but I just know that through the, um, I mean, myself just in general I've always been pretty introverted and um once I get to know somebody then I really open up and stuff but um I think I just I definitely grew as a personal um throughout this whole thing just um just yeah taking initiative and so I guess it's not really from it's from success and mistakes it's kind of a it's awesome it's kind of a combo but just putting myself out there not being afraid just to pick up the phone and cold call and um and ask for help there's just there's so many things that are just they're hard things to do for people and um yeah that's just kind of just like pushed pushed me over the edge and just didn't like, really give me a choice so yeah, you're thrown into the river and be like learn how to swim yeah exactly so it felt it felt like that a lot and um yeah it was definitely something taking this event on that i was like our i mean between my mom hayden and i were a good team we all have different strengths so we're able to divvy up and and tackle everything but i just i know that i definitely gained a lot of skills and um yeah it was definitely helpful for nfc and then whatever else i end up doing who knows that's awesome um i also know that you are an avid reader as as myself sometimes you listen to audiobooks uh are you reading anything or listening to anything or have you just been swamped with this whole event yeah i i haven't been reading reading a whole lot the last six months um while I was doing a job the other week, I was doing a lot of just kind of sitting around. And so, um, current audiobook that I'm, that I have a little bit to finish is breathe. Um, just kind of a breath technique. Yeah. Um, mainly just the, if you don't, if you're not interested in reading it, just breathe through your nose and breathe slower. That's the, <laughs> that's the general gist. So that's the gist of the book. Yeah. But before that I was got into backcountry skiing this winter and was doing that. So I was, how to stay alive in av- avalanche terrain. So that was, those are my latest two books, but awesome. yeah, I definitely want to get back into it. I've been just so busy. Yeah. So it's good to be busy sometimes too. Yeah. Alec, if you can go back into time or if you could go back in time, uh, to any time in your life and you could give yourself one piece of advice, what might it be? Um, I, I think for me personally, it's just don't be too hard on yourself. Um, I'm definitely a perfectionist and, um, there's been definitely some things that I've like started and then kind of, because it, you get, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, 
whether it's anybody that's running a business or first time starting an event or learning a new skill or something, you got to start somewhere. And so, um, yeah, I think just not being too hard on yourself and, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing for me. That's awesome. No, that, I mean, that's a great piece of advice and it's something that, that I regularly need to remind myself because, uh, I think, I mean, we, we all have success and we all have failure and, and I feel like myself in particular, I'm, definitely way more hard on myself when I fail than, than like praise myself for success. So I, I definitely got to just like give myself a break sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, if today was your last day on earth and everything that you've done, whether it be, uh, through kayaking, uh, you know, rivers, events, all this stuff that you've done, it was all to disappear. And you were left with a piece of paper and a pen and you could leave three truths three things that you believe to be true. And then that could be, you know, to your brothers, to your family, uh, to society, your community, anybody, what would those three truths be? Oh, deep right off, right at the end. Yeah. Um, I'd probably go. It's a tough one, Nick. (laughs) Uh, bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. A bit of a head scratcher. Um, I would, I would probably put down that, Things are going to be hard. Things are going going to get better. Um, and that the lows are not as low as you think they are and the highs are not as high as they may seem. That's, That's probably, awesome. Yeah. So I guess just kind of know that it's going to be hard and there's going to be challenges to overcome, but it, in the end, it's going to work out or pay off or be all right. Um, I know that I definitely had to remind myself that more than once over the years, so... That's yeah, that's probably my three three words of advice. I absolutely love that. Thank you so very much, Alec, for this whole conversation, for he- sharing your story. Uh this has just been incredible. Uh for also being the guinea pig for our first ever live conversation. So this has been super fun. Something that I always try to do with these interviews is um give as much value as I can to my guests. So is there anything in particular that you are focusing on right now that I might be able to help you out with or possibly even, uh, even the listeners? Yeah. I mean, you've given a lot of good advice over the years. So I, yeah, I think there'll, there'll be times that that'll all come, but, um, I know one thing, I mean, this is you and Emily, one thing that's always kind of stuck and it kind of goes back to what I just said with the three truths, um, is Emily always says that, um, now I'm now I'm blanking on it. I just had it. <laughs> uh, that yeah, nothing is ever as bad as it seems, and nothing's ever as yeah, good as it, it seems. As good as it may seem, mm-hmm. pretty much what I yeah. That's that's always one thing that I've always kind of taken, and mm-hmm. um, obviously since I was what came up into my head. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's amazing, Alec. Um, well, again, thank you for all of this insight on just kind of being an athlete, competitor, uh, organizer. This is super cool. For everybody out there, I highly encourage you guys to either come out to the NFC next year and participate, whether that be through uh, being a competitor yourself, coming to spectate, whether you're joining in on the live stream. It's just a super cool event, one of the best, if not the best events uh, in the sport of whitewater kayaking and something that I've just been stoked to be a part of for for the past several years. And and honestly, just uh, I'm super stoked that you guys are taking it over, keeping it alive and pushing it forward and growing it as well. So um, 
what might be one of the best ways for people to kind of like follow along, whether it be through your story, through the NFC, kind of join in, any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Alec Voorhees Kayak. Um, and then also follow North Fort Championship um, on Instagram. There's, yeah, we'll be pushing out a lot of good stuff on there. And um, yeah, the dates for next year will be June 16th to the 18th. So make your way to Banks, Idaho or Boise, Idaho. And um, yeah, it'll be, it's always a good time. So put we'll, it on, put we'll it on your there. calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And, and, and uh, registration should open roughly in January or so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so keep your eye open for that. Definitely follow Alec, follow uh, the North Fork Championships. Final question for you, Alec, what is your definition of awesome? My definition of awesome is, I mean, awesome can be kind of whatever you, it, yeah, it can be kind of whatever, whatever you want it to be. It can be something that you're passionate about, something that you learn from, um, yeah, just it's like a choose your own adventure book. Yeah, choose your own adventure. I like it. Um, <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alec. This has been a total blast doing this in person. I definitely got to do more of these now that uh, we've kind of opened up the whole COVID friendly stuff and you know everything's lifting up. So this is super cool. I can't wait to do more interviews in person. Uh, again, thanks for joining me. For anybody out there that got value out of this episode, got value out of. Uh, Alex story, the whole interview. If you guys could please share it out, that would be just phenomenal. It would help us grow as a podcast, just kind of help us grow as a, as a community and a collective as a whole, which really is my whole purpose with this whole thing in the first place. So if you guys could please help share that out, uh, whether that be sharing with a friend, whether that be posting on social media, whether that be, you know, writing a review, any of that kind of stuff, all of it helps us. So if you guys could do that for me, that would be truly awesome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.